Independent talk. Proper talk. News talk. Talk radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. With the self-appointed revolutionary of reason, Mike Graham. On talk radio. Good morning, welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham with just two days to go until Christmas uh, and clearly no chance of the festive cup being dashed from our lips as we prepare for the big day. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, is it? Not really. Uh, if it wasn't for all the decorations of the freezing weather, I don't think I'd even know. The only reason I know it's Christmas is because I walk past a load of Christmas trees and you think to yourself, well, somebody's put them up for a reason. Uh, there doesn't appear to be much festive cheer out there on the streets. There doesn't appear to be anybody shopping in any of the shops, which is a bit weird. There doesn't seem to be anybody drinking in any of the pubs. There doesn't seem to be anybody eating in any of the restaurants. Apart from that, uh, it's going really well. <laughs> uh, apparently, the uh, hospitality business is going to be rescued to the tune of a billion pounds by Rishi Sunak, even though uh, they're saying that's not really enough. It's far too little. It's far too late. Thanks to Chris Whitty, everybody has already gone home and decided not to come back out again. If you live in Wales, of course, you get fined if you go out. 60 quid for going to work. You know, I used to live in a country where people were encouraged to go to work, where people were encouraged to get a job, where people were encouraged to get an education to better themselves. Now, here's what you're encouraged to do. Don't go anywhere. Don't see anyone. uh, Don't buy anything. um, And certainly, whatever you do, don't go on holiday. I mean, we're told that Christmas has been saved by Boris Johnson. It doesn't feel like that, does it? At the same time, they're dangling over our heads a little kind of, you know, sword of Damocles or possibly an anvil which will be dropped on you, you know, Tom and Jerry style. Because New Year, that might be very dangerous. Now, nobody seems to be asking the question. Um, excuse me. Sorry, do you mind if I just ask you? Sorry, no, I'm sorry, you can't ask any questions. Uh, no, I'd just quite like to ask a question about the Omicron variant. Sorry, no. Sorry, we haven't got any data on that. Um, but it doesn't seem to be doing any great uh, harm to anyone. Um, cases seem to have sort of tailed off a bit in South Africa. Never mind that. That's a different country to ours. We can't pay any attention to them. There's a lot of young people there and it's a lot hotter. So don't worry about that. No. No, no, no. But can I just ask? No, sorry. You just get through Christmas, all right? So let's now live from day to day, shall we? Hand to mouth, even. Don't bother buying anything. Don't bother shopping. Because, you know, after Christmas, you might not be able to go anywhere anyway. Are you booking a holiday? Don't be stupid. You're thinking about buying a car. You might be able to drive anywhere. If you're in Wales or Scotland, you can't have any fun at all. They have declared that fun is outlawed. No fun for you if you live north of the border or indeed west of the uh, Maginot line. No, it's not the Maginot line, is it? It's Offers Dyke. Anyway, John Rental's here to talk us through uh, what madness he can tell us about this week and also maybe a little look back over the political year that we've all just experienced because uh, it's been quite a year, hasn't it, 2021? We go out as we started nowhere, basically. People are grimming, hanging on for grim death. I salute you, Britain, for being so absolutely and utterly tolerant, uh, for being so utterly brilliant at actually putting up with all this rubbish and let's just hope that 2022 is a bit better eh? Uh, Sebastian Gorka is going to be here apparently the uh, uh, people investigating the January the 6th incursion at the Capitol building looking for his phone records he's not happy about that Tonya Buxton will be here as well Uh, she's got plenty to say about much uh, to do with Christmas including some top tips for a top Christmas dinner but also I think she might have something to say about the Archbishop of Canterbury seems to have decided that morals have taken a whole new twist during the pandemic and apparently now it's immoral not to be vaccinated great isn't it what a lovely thing it is religion 0344 499 1000 you're listening to me mike graham right here on the fastest great radio station on the planet the home of common sense talk radio 
the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Okay, so let's get this straight. If you've got COVID, stay at home. But you don't have to stay at home for as long as you used to have to stay at home because apparently it's not as bad as it used to be. They now think that you can recover in seven days instead of ten. Okay. Um, Also, if you have been in contact with somebody who's got COVID, you don't have to stay at home. But you do have to take a test. um, And you have to take a test all the time uh, until you've got it. And then you have to go home for ten days. But not ten. No. Is it seven or ten? You see, already I'm confused. Let's talk to John Rental, trying to make some sense of it all. John, a very good morning. It's seven days, Mike. Is it? Well, it's seven days today. I mean, you could not possibly guarantee that over the course of the next few days, it might not be changed to 10 again, or indeed three, well, or possibly some other random might. number between zero and 25. Well, no, a zero bigger number. It I mean, because the principle is if, if you have to self-isolate for seven days and you're allowed out after you've tested negative for the uh, sixth and seventh day, uh, then you could just replace self-isolation with uh, with daily testing. But, well, I mean, you know, um, so don't, don't, start, right. don't start making sense, John. People will think you've gone over to the other side. I mean, for heaven's sake. Um, well, of course, unless you're a train driver, in which case just don't bother going to work at all because uh, there are no trains and you're not going to be able to get one uh, between now and probably February. Well, that's, no- that's normal for Christmas, isn't it? So uh, Yeah, but this is extra primo normal for Christmas because now loads of people have decided that they can't come to work because uh, they're frightened uh, that they might get COVID and they wouldn't be able to drive a train. So they're not driving a train in order to avoid not driving a train. Right. You would have thought driving a train, you'd be, it's, you'd be pretty safe in your own little uh, bubble, uh, just as, as you would be in uh, driving a car. But, you would think so, wouldn't you? you? You would think so. But unfortunately, the public sector seems to be afflicted much worse by COVID than anybody else does. Um, So we've got loads of people taking uh, time off in case they get COVID. Uh, We're told the NHS is is down in numbers. We're told fire departments are down. We haven't got a fireman in London. Police officers are all told they've got to go home and self-isolate. I mean, it seems to afflict the public sector in a lot worse way than the private sector, doesn't it? Well, I mean, it was ever thus. Um, and, but I think that that is absolutely true. I think the, the solution is just to uh, is just to hunker down and stay in your houses over Christmas. Yeah, which is kind of depressing in a way, isn't it? Because Christmas used to be for many things, including visiting not just your family but also friends. You know, so you would maybe spend Boxing Day with some friends, um, you know, on the other side of town, or you might yeah. uh, take a tr- get in a car and drive, you know, twenty thirty miles to go and see some friends for Boxing Day kind of brunch. You know, that kind of thing, which is now. Yeah. Uh, once again, contributing to the demise of the hospitality business. And in Scotland, they're um, banning the practice of first footing, which is uh, going to visit your friends. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I was always a bit wary of some stark stranger knocking on the door after midnight that you didn't know. You're supposed to let in because he's carrying a lump of coal. I mean, in certain parts of Glasgow, I would not recommend doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Yeah, I mean, you know. but, right. but not as bad as the old Welsh, right? Who are going to fine you for going to work? I mean, that is extraordinary. I mean, what on earth are they thinking? <clears throat> I couldn't have predicted it. I read I read an article in the uh, in the Independent a year ago, uh, predicting that uh, 2021 would be the year we'd see the back of coronavirus yeah. and the back of Brexit. Uh, I don't know which idiot wrote that article. I'll hazard a guess. Well, listen. <laughs> You've got to, you know, as they say, you've got to write a column about something, John. Um, and I, and I, for one, would salute your column writing skills over the course of time that I've known you. Uh, they've always been very entertaining, very good. But, you know, listen, we can't always be right all the time. Um, but let's no. talk a little bit. Let's, let us let us wax lyrical slightly about 2021 and the whole year that we've had, because many people do this um, and we do it in a slightly different way. Because I don't want to go through it sort of month by month. But, you know, it kind of kicks off with Joe Biden becoming the new president of the United States of America, the Trump 
Trump era kind of coming to an end, we then go through this rather ludicrous kind of four month lockdown where I can't even really remember what happened because it was that much of a kind of a distraction in my head that I thought I still came to work every day, but I can't remember what else I did. Probably nothing. <laughs> well, that sounds like that sounds like a normal year then, Mike. Well, I suppose so. I mean, those of like you and I are unfortunately afflicted with being workaholics because of the business we're in. Um, but seriously, I mean, I literally can't remember anything that I did outside of work between January and May. I just can't. No, but I do remember that the whole mood of the country then was quite positive because we were we were moving in the right direction, moving towards the lifting of uh, restrictions. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, every, and every month seemed to get a better sort of improved number of set of figures. That's right. And, you know, politically, the story of the year has been the, the vaccine effect. I mean, which which carried uh, Boris Johnson through the year mm. on a sort of buoyant uh, sort of uh, cloud of uh, popularity. Yeah. Uh, because people were very pleased with the way the vaccines were going. Mm. Uh, and so the whole year went extremely well for him until until we got to November when it suddenly uh, started going horribly wrong. And he has ended the year in an absolute nightmare. Yeah. The, 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 if you look at the opinion polls, the Conservative uh, sh- share of the vote, intended vote, has just dropped off a cliff right. in, in December. And it looks absolutely catastrophic. And people tend to sort of argue about whether that matters or not. I mean, I think it does matter. I don't care that it's the middle uh, of, a, of an election term. I don't care that he could last for at least another two years before there has to be a general election. This is not a good place for him to be, is it? No. I mean, he has had a really sh- a shocking, shocking month uh, in December. I mean, bad enough in, in, in November, mm. but he's just managed to make everything worse. Um, I mean, the whole, the whole business about Christmas parties uh, in Downing Street last year uh, has had a remarkable effect on uh, on on his own popularity and the government's popularity. Really corrosive. Really cut through this idea that uh, people in the government were just not obeying their own rules, uh, and many of those rules were stupid. I mean, that famous picture that we've all seen now of the of the of those people in the garden of, of number ten. Yeah. Um, you know, all socially distanced, all, all outside. Uh, Really, no risk of, uh, of of spreading anything. Yet that was against the the gov- against the law. At yeah. The time. Well, do you know what's uh, interesting? And I think everybody has done this because there's been a bit of a backlash based on people going back to that time to see what they were doing. And we've certainly had uh, people calling the show to say that you know my mother died, we couldn't have a proper funeral. My son yeah. died, we couldn't have a proper funeral. Uh, we had to cancel a holiday, this and that and the other. I mean, I myself was sent a picture uh, because I had uh, at that particular moment been um, in staying in isolation in London, not seeing my own children for about eight weeks. And that very day of the party was the same day that I first went to see them after eight weeks. Now, you know, I'm not one of those people that you would expect to have even done that. But I did it at the time because at the beginning, nobody really was sure. I was working in London. You know, my kid's mother wasn't certain that I wouldn't bring um, COVID to the house. And so I didn't go. Um, So to see them behaving as if nothing was was wrong is really, really galling and, and irritating for a lot of people. Well, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, the thing about using the law to control people's behaviour is that uh, the government has to make sure that at, at all times it abides by that law itself. Uh, and that's what uh, that's what they seem to have failed to do. And that has been incredibly damaging. And I think that will go on being 
being damaged. Yeah. And, and we're told as well, and it may well be that the collective and, and, and the kind of cumulative effect isn't as bad as, as, as the original effect anyway. But I'm told there are more videos of inside that uh, uh, that briefing room, uh, six or seven possibly, some of which may be even more embarrassing than the last one that we've seen. Uh, there's certainly clearly an awful lot of parties that have been going on, uh, as, as uh, noted by the man who was told to investigate the parties, who completely forgot that he had one himself. <laughs> well, Easy I to think do. he would... He, he, he would dispute that. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the problems the government has got itself into on that it are, are um, you know, it's, it seems like something that ought to be quite, uh, quite trivial, but it, it, it really isn't. It really matters to people. Uh, and they really judge uh, the Prime Minister on, yeah. on, on on that basis. And how important do you think the whole Matt Hancock week was? Because back in June, um, Hancock was still being seen not necessarily as a, a particularly likeable figure, but a man that was stewarding the country in a way that, that he appeared to be in charge of anyway. And then suddenly this no. bombshell uh, picture appears of him uh, in a clinch with uh, somebody who wasn't married to him um, in a way which was uh, in, in an office of, of state. Um, and I think that was quite damaging to Boris. Well, again, it was, it was exactly the same thing. He was breaking the rules that he himself had drawn up and expected everybody else to abide by it. And, you know, he did, the, he did the right thing. He, he resigned. I mean, I'm actually one of the... Well, he did eventually. Well, yeah, well 48 hours, I think that's... Well, the first, the first statement from Boris Johnson was, I consider this to be the end of the matter. Yeah, and I know. And, 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 and some fool on The Independent wrote a, wrote a stupid article saying that he, he wouldn't have to resign. But I was wrong about that. And uh, <laughs> he, quit, uh, he, he quit a few hours later. Yeah. Um, and and right and rightly so. I mean, I'm one of the one of the, the, the few people who actually defends Matt Hancock in in that I thought he was an incredibly hardworking uh, minister. I thought well, not as hardworking as you thought, though. Apparently, well, no, quite. I mean, you know, he had a bit more time on his hands than uh, it wasn't just time he had in his hands either. Um, so I'm not I'm not having any of that rubbish. I mean, he might have spent a lot of time at the office, but it wasn't all work. <laughs> eh? Well, I just do not understand how these uh, top politicians find the time for. Messing about. Well, they always do because that's their world, right? I mean, I think yeah. Sarah Vine wrote a brilliant piece about how these characters who go into Downing Street uh, emerge as very different creatures, you know, because they're told all day how brilliant they are. Uh, they've yeah. got people serving them tea, biscuits, cake, um, champagne, no doubt, cheese and wine, um, <laughs> hot and cold, hot and cold running, um, uh, whatever they want. And then they're supposed to come home and put the bins out. They're not interested, are they? Yeah, no, it's 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 absolutely it's the same old story, uh, and it uh, and and Matt Hancock came a, came a cropper, uh, and it was the same old issue. It was it was the same as as Dominic Cummings uh, going off to Barnard Castle. It was the same as uh, it, it was the same as the Christmas parties yeah. and the, and the garden party. Um, they keep on getting caught by yeah. by the fact that they've used the law uh, to try and uh, control the coronavirus. Uh, and if you use the law, you've got to be bound by the law. And they keep on um, finding themselves yeah. on the wrong side. And how much of a thorn in the side do you think uh, Dominic Cummings has become? I mean, I remember saying to you months ago, um, before he appeared at that uh, committee hearing, and then when he did appear at the committee hearing for seven or eight hours, and yeah. I just thought, you know, this guy's lost the plot. He's kind of, you know, he's now he's hunkered down in his basement. He's now got this kind of, you know, absolute revenge um, <laughs> obsession with uh, trying to, you know, ruin Boris Johnson's life. Um, yeah. I mean, he's doing quite a good job, isn't he? Well, he d he didn't appear to be at the time. No, I mean, you know, in in May when he did that seven hour session, um, he he managed to throw everything he had at Boris Johnson and Matt Hancock, mm. indeed, and uh, and Matt Hancock survived uh, only to um, bring himself down the the following month. Um, 
so maybe Dominic Cummings' uh, revenge mission is on a on a long, slow burn. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, I think you know, it's Dominic Cummings who told the Prime Minister that uh, that that scheme for redecorating the Downing Street flat, uh, paid for by Tory donors, was unethical and and probably illegal. Um, and that's come back to haunt uh, to, to haunt Boris Johnson as mm. well. Uh, so and and. You know, there are suggestions that Dominic Cummings was behind the resignation of David Frost uh, the other day. I mean, they, Dominic Cummings has a high opinion of David Frost, although he doesn't agree with him about the, the COVID rules. Yeah. Uh, but I suspect that Dominic Cummings is still out to try and bring uh, Boris Johnson down. And he, he's got a better chance of su- succeeding next year than he did. Uh, well, I think so. Well, stay there and uh, hold on to that thought, because I'll come back to you in a moment. John Rensel, Chief Political Commentator at The Independent, talking to us this morning uh, about the Boris effect and about what the year has been like for Boris Johnson. It started out uh, with him on the crest of a wave. Um, it now looks as though uh, he's drowning in the shallows, doesn't it? John Rensel is here uh, from the Independent Chief Political Commentator, of course. And John, you're very keen, and you and I have had many conversations about uh, the various um, sort of public polls that are done, YouGov, etc., um, on uh, people's attitudes. Now, one interesting thing that I heard this morning from one of the sort of sage crowd is that they've now added a further wrinkle um, to their little kind of... Um, what you might call, I suppose, a box of tricks when it comes to what things they look at as to what future policy should be. And one of them uh, is the attitude of the populace, right? And so they say that they look at each individual country because each individual country's people treat government advice differently. And so they're now starting to count what people actually say uh, as a way of uh, sort of refining, if you like, public policy. And it seems to me that there's an awful lot more people now who are less likely to vote for a lockdown simply because of the uh, antics of, of Downing Street and the, and the parties and all of that uh, than there were. Would you agree with that? Um, well, I, I, th- I think, no, I don't think it's down to um, the, the behaviour of the, of the Prime Minister. I think people separate the Prime Minister from, uh, from their views on, uh, on the course of the virus and they will listen to Chris Whitty and, uh, and Patrick Vallance about that. Um, but I think well, they might. But I mean, what they won't do is if they see the government not doing what they're telling everybody else to do, uh, in particular in private, they're not going yeah. to do it. Well, I'm not sure about that. Actually, I think I think um, you know whatever whatever the prime minister and his uh, his officials get up to, I think people will make up their own minds. And I think that's you know, oddly enough, that's what the prime minister says. He wants people to take personal responsibility. Yes, but he wouldn't have said that three or four months ago because no, we've often. We've often had this conversation where the print, where the prime minister will say, "I don't want to do this, but I'm going to have to." Whereas now he could have done that again, but he didn't. And I think the reason for that is that he knew that an awful lot of people would not take the advice anymore. No, I don't. I don't think that's true. I think if 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 the situation warrants it, I think people will uh, will do as they're told by the uh, by the scientific advisors rather than by the prime minister. But that's always the case. I mean, that's why the prime minister has always uh, been there with. Chris Whitty and, and Patrick Vallance uh, at his side at, at the number 10 press conference, even right at the start when people were prepared to give the Prime Minister a huge amount of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but he was he had them there at the start because he needed to have scientific backup for what he was about to tell people, whereas yeah, now um, they're, they're sort of searching about looking for it. 
You know, he had no reason to have Chris Whitty up there the last time he made a statement because Chris Whitty literally didn't have anything to say. He had nothing to offer. Uh, he said he had no data. He was desperate, uh, so desperate that he had to produce some slide from South Africa to show what was going on there, even though he said it wasn't worth paying any attention to uh, because, of course, it's a very different country. So it's all over the place now, I think. And I think that's part of the problem. I think if you took a YouGov poll now about whether we should have more lockdowns in the new year, you would get yeah. a very different result from the one you got back in September, for example, because people are now looking around going, well, sorry, there's not very many people going into hospital with Omicron. Well, there's not many people dying from it. So why are you locking everything down? I think that's that's the point, though. I mean, people people think that the that the virus is less dangerous now that everybody is uh, is vaccinated and, and, you know, half the population is triple vaccinated. Yeah. So I think uh, I think that's the factor. I don't th- I think this idea that, you know, uh, the Prime Minister sort of undermined his own credibility. Nobody's going to do what he asks them to do because he's... I think uh, he's damaged it, don't you? <clears throat> well, yes, but I don't think that is a significant uh, motivator of people's behaviour. I don't think people are going to go out on, on, on the razzle uh, saying to themselves, well, the Prime Minister's not obeying the rules, so I won't. I think... I think a lot of, well, an awful lot of people were doing that. The only reason they stopped doing it was because of old Witty coming out and saying, well, oh, you should somehow um, prioritise your social engagements because if you get... Yeah pinged you won't be able to see your family at christmas i think that's purely and simply the only reason that we are where we are yeah but i think people will listen to chris witty about that and the people who who won't um you know i don't think they're they're affected by pictures of the prime minister yeah but the longer this goes on john the the longer this goes on and the more it gets mistitled by members of the media who keep talking about the effects of omicron on the economy it's not the effects of omicron on the economy it's the effects of the government's reaction to omicron on the on the economy which is two completely different things well indeed and uh, they they do need to be separated although uh you also have to take into account the fact that people will behave spontaneously uh, in in response to information about the uh, about the virus and will change their behaviour. I mean, I, you know, I didn't need uh, Chris Whitty or the Prime Minister to tell me to 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 work from home for the for the last week of uh, of Parliament. So uh, you know, I, well, that's I, because I nobody's in Parliament, and that's easy for you to do. But it's not so easy for everybody to do. And no, again, as ever, most people who have to work outside of the home are having to work outside of the home because they don't have a choice and the yeah, idea that the idea that the people are hiding and not going into a, a, an office or going into a town because they're worried about getting a virus which apparently isn't going to hurt them very much despite the fact that they've either been double or triple jabbed there's kind yeah. of madness about it yeah no I, I agree but there are a lot of people who are as lucky as me uh, and able to work from home um, if they need to uh, and you know we've seen the the fall off in, in public transport, traffic on the roads, and, and and all the rest of it, because people have just decided to uh, to, to stay at home and minimise their social contact. Yeah, I mean, they they didn't even need uh, Chris Whitty to tell them, but I mean, obviously that. Well, it all happened after yeah. he said it, so I think you'll find that that was quite a big factor. Yeah, because if well, he told them, because Boris Johnson, don't forget, told them not to cancel Christmas parties, but yeah, then they that's did. True. But a lot of people were cancelling Christmas parties anyway, so. Uh, you know, it, it is it is partly what the government tells us and it's partly what people yes. decide. Themselves. But what I suppose I'm getting at in a very long winded way, and it's taken me half an hour to do so, so I apologise, is um, come <laughs> Monday. I mean, is that going to be then another kind of green light for Boris to go, right, OK, we managed to get past Christmas. Let's all have a big round of applause. Another glass of vintage port. Now we can properly lock everybody down uh, because I don't think they can unless they've got data which shows yeah. that things are getting dangerous. And the only thing they're going to drive into the dust is the economy because they're not going to people are just not going to go back to work 
I completely agree. But I mean, I do think the thing that will be different next week will be that we will have much more information. We'll have we'll have a lot more figures. Right. Uh, well, we were I, supposed to have those figures by the twenty second. It seemed to remember. Yes, I don't know what's 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 happened to that. That's, yeah, I need to do. I just suddenly disappeared off into the ether in the same way that you know the next uh, update will be in three weeks' time. Suddenly, the next update is in three days' time. I mean, you can't believe a word they say now. Well, uh, you can. You can well, one every, every third word, possibly. Very possible. But, I, mean, I think next next week, well, I think the position will be a lot clearer. Mm. Uh, and either it'll be it'll be terrible, and everybody will will know what to do, yeah. uh, or it or it won't. In which case, people will be cautiously uh, optimistic. Yeah. And, uh, well, let's hope the government takes it by the scruff of the neck. Anyway, meanwhile, I should wish you a very merry Christmas, John. Thank you for your and efforts you. during the course of the year, uh, and hopefully, we'll speak to you um, in the next week or so. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. John Rental, uh, a great stalwart of the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. Not everybody likes listening to him, uh, but he makes an awful lot of good points. I don't agree with an awful lot of what he says. Uh, he doesn't agree with an awful lot of what I say, but I have a great deal of respect for him, uh, and he's always welcome on my show. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Uh, now, a story uh, which has been dominating this year, uh, you'd have to say the news events uh, pretty much every single week. Uh, most recently, I suppose, back in the uh, sort of late summer, autumn and now even into the winter time uh, we're seeing more and more people arriving uh, on dinghies even as we're told that uh, the French won't let us into France and the French can't come here uh, and basically the only method of getting here it would seem uh, and staying here without having to suffer any kind of quarantine is to come on a dinghy because now uh, according to a report from Migration Watch this morning the cost of housing and payment uh, payment of housing for asylum seekers has almost doubled since 2018. It now costs £430 million a year to provide housing and payments to people who have claimed asylum uh, in the UK and who are waiting for their applications to be processed. We keep hearing from Pretty Patel that this is going to change. There's a law currently going through Parliament. Let's talk now to Henry Smith, Conservative MP, for Crawley uh, to see what he makes of this particular figure. Henry, very good morning to you. Greetings of the season. Good morning, Mike, and uh, yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Yes, I mean, this has been a story, I suppose, that you might say has dominated the headlines for 2021 in a way that uh, it really hasn't before. Uh, we know that many, many more thousands of people have come to Britain this year uh, than last year, and probably more than the two or three years put together before that. We now are being told that it's £430 million a year uh, to house these people. I mean, where does it end? Well, it needs to end. This is a completely unacceptable situation. And you're right. Uh, the governments uh, are uh, changing legislation, the Nationality and Borders Bill. Uh, but that won't be law probably until halfway next uh, through uh, next year. Uh, and also, uh, Dominic Raab was talking uh, the other week about reform of the Human Rights Act. That's mm. very important because that prevents us from deporting people in all too many cases when they have uh, come here, often violent criminals even. Uh, so there do need to be legislative changes uh, to uh, make us be able to uh, react uh, much more firmly. But we, we can't wait for those. We need to take much firmer action now because, quite frankly, our borders being made a mockery of. Mm, it really is. And one of the things that the Tory party was elected to do was to tighten the borders, to make it more difficult for people to come here illegally, to have more control over immigration. I remember Boris saying at the Tory party conference, you know, it's not unusual or unreasonable for us to ask 
uh, for the identities of those people coming here, seeking asylum in our country, who wish to come and live in our country. Uh, not at all uh, is it unreasonable. And yet there are those in the sort of human rights um, industry who would say, well, you haven't really got the right to ask them who they are. You've just got to let them in because, you know, they're tired, they're hungry, they're coming here from a, a desecrated land and you, it is your absolute solemn duty uh, to bring them in. And I don't agree with that. And I think a lot of people don't agree with that either. Well, I agree with you, Mike. By the way, I think it's uh, unfair to call France a desecrated land. Uh, I, say that, I say that tongue in cheek, uh, but there's a serious point here. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, those people uh, getting into dinghies and coming across the channel are already in safe countries. These are not genuine uh, refugees uh, mm. by the vast majority of cases. Uh, these are, are economic migrants. And, I, you know, I don't blame anyone for wanting a better life for themselves, uh, but they need to do that through uh, legal routes. Uh, where they could, you can't just flout uh, the border controls uh, that exist, no. or they shouldn't be able uh, to do that. Uh, and therefore, you know, this is this is essentially an economic migration, uh, and uh, therefore it isn't an issue about asylum. And the whole fact of uh, so-called human rights and the Human Rights Act and the European Convention on Human Rights really shouldn't be applying uh, in the vast majority of cases. And that's why we do need to tighten up the law. But in the meantime, we need to get much tougher uh, with actually physically preventing what are dangerous crossings as well. Of course, mm. you know, just uh, just over a month ago, 27 people uh, sadly drowned uh, in the English Channel. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's a direct result of uh, evil um, people smugglers yeah. as well. So, you know, for us to allow uh, this to continue is is absolutely morally wrong. It really is. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because as horrible and ghastly as that episode was, uh, where those 27 people perished, um, it hasn't seemed to have stopped people from continuing to come because, you know, I know a bit about that part of the world and quite often I'm down there on the beaches <clears throat> of, uh, of the Sussex coast and it's like a mill pond. I mean, it's literally so flat that you could probably row to, to Calais. You know, that's how uh, calm it is. And so as long as the weather continues to kind of um, conspire against the border force, they're going to keep coming. Well, you're, you're always welcome down uh, here in uh, Sussex, Mike. Um, Thank you. Uh, to, to enjoy our beautiful coasts and countryside. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Um, uh, we... we, we, we must um, have much greater tools um, at our disposal for border force uh, to be able to enforce uh, the border. Uh, that's what their job is mm. to do. Uh, and uh, really, the government does need to do more to step up uh, and uh, really prevent people uh, from illegally en entering this country. And I think one uh, aspect uh, that I certainly think has a lot of merit to it uh, is actually processing people who do manage to uh, get here illegally in a third country or a third territory. Mm. Uh, that would really break uh, the model uh, and the incentive of people uh, coming over to cross here. Uh, and just another point, Mike, that I, I wanted to raise I have um, quite a few uh, asylum seekers being housed in a hotel in my constituency. And it's quite remarkable, actually, uh, how um, ungrateful uh, some of those are. The emails I get, actually, uh, from people recently arrived complaining about the conditions really? they're in. They're in a four-star hotel. Right. Uh, and it really, uh, it, it really is something where we're being taken for fools as a country and we need to, uh, we need to get much tougher. Absolutely right, because I'm told that uh, the numbers of people being housed in accommodation was 64,000 this year, including 16,000 uh, in hotels. And so, you know, people 
feel the difference in their town if they've got it uh, rammed full of people arriving from other countries and being put up in hotels in the centre of the town, wandering around freely. It doesn't appear to be much policing uh, of some of these characters. And so, I mean, you know, like I say, it may well be that 95% of them uh, are entirely uh, coming here with a view to getting a job or improving their lives, but there may well be other reasons that some of these people are coming, and it may not always be for the good. Well, you're absolutely right. There is a potential security risk uh, with all of this. As you say, the vast majority of people, uh, I think, are, are coming for, for, for a better life. And I don't blame people for that. People should take legal routes. I, I don't uh, condone uh, them uh, entering the country illegally. Uh, but there is a risk that a small minority uh, could be a threat. We have a lot of instability in the Middle East, in, Af in Afghanistan. Uh, and uh, there are people who uh, wish us uh, no well, no good at all, mm. uh, who potentially could be slipping through our porous border uh, and be a significant security risk. And that's something we can't countenance as a country. Mm. And looking forward into next year, Henry, can you say to anyone listening to this um, that you and, and other Conservative MPs will continue to pressurise Priti Patel and you will continue to try and see that this law that does come in will make a difference and that, you know, we can't just carry on for another year the way we did this year? Uh, well, I can absolutely uh, give you that commitment, Mike. Um, it's been two years now. Um, ironically, whilst most of us have been sort of variously locked down uh, because of uh, COVID, uh, that this border situation uh, has got far worse. Mm. It has to change uh, for the better uh, in 2022. And I'll certainly continue uh, to make that case uh, with other colleagues as well. I'm fed up of having to make the case. Mm on a weekly basis, quite frankly, yeah. uh, we, we do need that action. As I say, the legislation is coming, but we need action in the interim, because if, frankly, people are prepared to make a crossing uh, in the cold weather that we're experiencing, you know, in the depths of winter, then it'll only get worse mm. as the weather gets better in the springtime. Exactly right. Well, Henry, listen, have a great Christmas. I uh, look forward to seeing you uh, after the festive period or sometime uh, beyond New Year, where hopefully life may have returned to normal and uh, the government haven't gone completely barking mad and have decided to lock everybody down again. Henry Smith, Conservative MP for Crawley, they're talking about the incredible cost. Uh, £430 million a year now to house uh, these illegal migrants. It could cost a further £100 million on top of that next year. It's got to stop, hasn't it? It just has to. For heaven's sake, people. Public of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, I'm not even going to talk about Welby yet because no. I don't want to spoil the well, poison it, in fact. Let's talk about Christmas because you are uh, a woman who looks like she enjoys Christmas, looks like you look forward to it. It's a family affair. You know, you get your, your relatives around, you get your friends around. You were, however, hoping not to have to be the chef this year, right? I was going to not be the chef this year. I was still helping with the cooking. Yeah. But um, I, uh, my uh, sister-in-law's got COVID. My parents are worried. So I will be cooking Christmas again. And you know what? I really enjoy doing mm. it. So, um, And I think the main thing is, is so my top tips... You've got some top tips. Top tips yes. about cooking Christmas. Because people get really... It, it's just a roast dinner. Mm. It's a roast dinner with lots of lovely trimmings. Yes. And it, it can be as, as many or as little as you like. Mm. But the main thing about... Christmas dinner is do everything you can before. Yeah. It's all about the prep. Yeah. So if you're going to do red cabbage, do it the day before, or even you can even do it a week before and put yeah. it in the freezer and get it out. Right. So do that's the my biggest tip is mm. don't leave it to the day to no. do many things. Because an awful lot of people as well don't have the actual bandwidth as we now call it 
in the oven to yeah. put everything in at the same time. Well, this is the other thing. Did you know that you have to rest the turkey mm. for as long as you cook it for? Right. So, yes, you do get up early, you cook your turkey, mm. say you've got, I don't know what one you've got, say it's two hours or three hours, yeah. take it out of the oven and then that leaves your oven nice and free yes. to do your roast potatoes, your roast veg, to do your stuffing, your pigs in blankets. Yeah. So you don't you don't have Brussels to worry sprouts. so much. Brussels Well, Brussels sprouts, I don't do them in the oven. They're on, I do them on the hob. Oh, right, okay. um, but, you know, I'm just saying because people think, oh, I haven't got the oven space, but your turkey's out and and what you do is you cover it with foil. Sometimes you can put a nice blanket on top, put mm. it on the side and let it rest for, you know, three hours is fine. No yep. problem. Right. And so you've got all that lovely room to put your roast potatoes mm. in. I get, I do the, I have everything prepped from the day before. So Christmas Day for me is just a case of making sure that I've got my timings yeah. written down. And that's really important because people get flustered on the day. Write your timings down. Yeah. You know, get, you know, nine o'clock turkey in, right. X amount turkey out. No reason in. not to. The planning is always the best part. It's all isn't about it? the planning because the thing is, if you're the one that's doing all the cooking, it is you know you've got to be switched on. Mm. You, you can't indulge in the, in the mulled wine till no. you've sat down at don't the table. Don't get going on the champagne too early. No, don't do that. But you know, if you can just organise yourself a little bit, mm. um, then you will have a lovely Christmas too. And one of the most important things, and I keep saying this to all my friends, and they've all you know done it now, is that you need to stuff your bird yeah with lots of kind of fat on the breasts right stuff and then cook it upside down right cook it upside down that's the most important because everyone moans about turkey being dry but if you kind of it, underneath the skin and the flesh put lots of butter and sage yeah. and spices and make it really ar aromatic i like to put orange mm. zest and everything cook goes it goes well with orange doesn't it i once so made a well. turkey recipe with orange and i can't remember where i got it from and it was a bit over the top with the orange actually but it was yeah. like sliced oranges underneath mm, i mean but it gave it a lovely kind it of does. you know orangey kind of just cut through orange and cinnamon are yeah. real aromas of christmas and so it cuts through the fat in, as well doesn't it does cut through the, the, the citrus fat. cook it upside down for the most of it, mm. just turn it round the other way for the last half hour. Put some lovely pancetta on top. Yeah. Cook it off. Beautiful. Mm. And I tell you, you will have a really succulent turkey if you do that. Okay. And what about things that you must cook and things that you mustn't? I mean, because lots of people add bits in. I mean, some people yes. like cauliflower cheese. Um, I think that's a bit over the top I sometimes for Christmas. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of cauliflower cheese, but I think for Christmas Day... It's kind of superfluous, isn't it? it? I think it is. But I also think that people should do as much as they want. So if, in my house, for example, I make my own cranberry sauce. Mm. I make the own, my own mince that goes into my mince pies. But you don't have to do that. If no. you're not a natural cook, then there's right. some really good ones that you can buy. So sure. don't worry about that. I bought some mince pies yesterday, I confess. Oh. Uh, I went to Waitrose to buy some champagne. And I'm sorry about this. If anybody's listening, go listen to him. You're a so-called man of the people. Well, I don't do it that often. And also, too late now to <laughs> order Christmas, anything, right? Yeah, yeah. I realised we didn't really have much champagne. So, and I thought, I haven't had a mince pie really properly this year. So yeah. I'm just going to, just for my flat in London, and I had four last night watching The Godfather. And I mean, so good. that's for me so good. as that's much about Christmas as anything. Is what films you're going to watch. Watching can, the original Godfather, just... eating four small mince pies, I must add, um, and a couple of glasses of red wine. Lovely. Can I just make a point, though, um, that everyone's buying champagne, but what I think is far better than champagne mm. is our English sparkling wines. It is good. Our English sparkling it is good. wines But you know what? Me, they I'd need to make them a bit time. cheaper, though, I think. Yes. I think they need to have a look at how much they charge for yeah, that. It's very good, and I'm a great fan of English sparkling wine. But in order to kind of make that leap for a lot of people, it's, you know, when you start getting up around 30 quid, mm -hmm. you know, that's a lot of money for people to spend. I suppose it is. But you can get some for around 20, 18, 20. Yeah, you can. So if you if you hunt around right. and there's deals going on. So I just, mm. I just think it's nice to buy British, yes. isn't it? You know? It is. Now, what about um, a Cypriot sort of uh, tip? Because presumably, I imagine, and I could be wrong, but on Christmas Eve, you'll do some kind of a 
cold plates or something like that, like a bit like the Italians do. You no, know, we don't. So Christmas do. Eve, we, we would normally go to church, which okay. I, I don't really um, go to church. And after hearing what's going on well, in, in going Christianity, I um, um, wouldn't want to go there. I'm, well, well, we'll come we'll to come that because I'm pretty disgusted. Yeah. Um, so we would normally go to church on Christmas Eve, mm. and then you kind of it's a lot. It's a bit of abstinence before Christmas Day when you have the feast. Yeah. So my my Greek twist is that I make a, a Greek a stuffing. Actually, my mum says she can make it for mm. you this year, and it's a rice and liver stuffing. Okay. It's that's very traditional with pine nuts, mm. and so you have the kind of traditional kind of sage pork stuffing and we've also got the Greek one okay. as well I try and keep it very English I think the British the English do Christmas better than any other mm. country in the world yeah. with the food and with the everything so yeah. I like to keep it straight when I was a kid though my mum would do a, you know be double you'd have all the kind of pastizio and all the other Greek foods and everything going yeah. on and it was too much right. so I try and keep it I mean, there is that, British. isn't there? There is that temptation. I always find it amazing that, you know, despite the, 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 the shortness, really, of the day and the only day when shops aren't actually open, I mean, the madness of Christmas Eve shoppers. Crazy. I don't know whether it's going to happen this year because a lot of people obviously are doing it earlier, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, you're only shut for a day and you've got people buying all this food and you're going... You'll be back on Boxing Day. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You know. I, know. I think it's, it's it's kind of left over from the times that shops were shut for a long time. Yeah. But talking about food, our our favourite, we love the Christmas lunch because mm. we have a Christmas lunch, but the, what is our favourite thing in our family are the dirty, dirty turkey sandwiches yes. we have after. Oh. And I, I'm going to tell you what's in them because okay. I think it's 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 a need. So right. you have um, a layer of bread, you have some mustard, yeah. you have your turkey. Yeah. On top of the turkey goes a layer of gammon. Yeah. Then you have a layer of stuffing. Yeah. You have a layer of the red cabbage. Mm. Then you have chilli jam. Wow. Then brie and uh, maybe even a bit of cranberry sauce. That uh -huh. all goes into the toaster okay. and becomes really hot and gooey. Oh, so you and then put it you, like in a, one of the actual toasters the toaster, and fold over. squish it down yeah. and you serve it with your own gravy dipping bowl. Mm. That is what, that's what we look wow. forward to on Christmas Eve. I wouldn't be eating for about three days if I had one of those. That sounds <laughs> so good. That's I mean, so my, good. my cheapo version of that um, is turkey stuffing and mayonnaise on toast. Oh, see, mayonnaise for me spoils everything. Really? Yes. Yeah, see, I think it's my time I spent in America. I never even heard of mayonnaise until uh, I met the woman that ended up becoming my wife. Uh, because she made me once, I remember we were, were students together, she made once, a. Uh, we got some white bread, she made ham, tomato, lettuce and mayonnaise sandwich for me and I was literally like, oh my God. What is this? That's the most amazing thing I think I've ever tasted. Yeah. Because I've never had it before. Mm -hmm. Hellman's mayonnaise. Yep, yep, not for and me. And it's good with turkey. You know, I don't know. You are you either are a lover of mayonnaise yeah. or you don't like it. And I'm one of the. I think I just think it's a bit. Clean. I won't put it on everything, you know. And I'm a big fan of mustard as well. Yes, mustard and I'll sometimes for me. do mustard one side, mayonnaise the other. Mm. You know, so that's that's okay. I like that mix um, of flavors. But yeah, what about uh, the pudding scenario? Because obviously, people will have a great deal of choice whether the Christmas pudding yeah. you always get a Christmas pudding and nobody ever really eats it you I don't like understand one. it's my favourite thing I do thing. like it I love yeah. Christmas pudding what did you, do you set it on fire yes we do the whole thing but you know the thing is about Christmas pudding is again that's why you've got to have your timetable written mm. out because you know it oh, it needs boiling for yeah. about three hours yeah. and you, and you, you and prefer the, that to microwaving it oh no yes I don't, I don't no. like microwaving anything to be honest with you no I don't and you've got to keep an eye on the water mm. because that's where you can get into trouble right. you've got to keep an eye on it it's got to be covered and you've mm. got to simmer it slowly for about two or three hours but I love Christmas pudding I love turning over I love putting yeah. the brandy on it lighting up yes. I like the drama of it and I want custard and I want brandy cream yeah. and I want double cream on it I want okay. the whole shebang all of it. Yeah. yeah okay yeah I'm, I'm, well, you're definitely a woman after my own heart yeah. I'm a big <laughs> fan of all that same with mince pies oh. you know yeah. bit of Stilton maybe 
bit of Stilton blue cheese. Actually, that's sometimes that's what I put in instead of brie into my sandwich. You know, I mm. just, I like the abundance of flavours. Yes. And then, you know, you are in a food coma at the end. You are. You are, but that's what Christmas that's right. is about. Yeah, then yeah. you put on a Christmas film. Somebody and, falls asleep. Yeah, lots of snoring. Yeah. <laughs> Kids kind of start making their way upstairs again because <laughs> it's been at least two hours since they were anywhere near a computer. Exactly. Oh, you know, got to get back exactly. up there. Exactly, it's so true. It's yeah. so true. So, um, so you, so you'll be cooking. Yes. Um, so the day, what time do you eat normally? About fourish? No, we no because because we have this thing where we want to have the sandwiches. We have to eat early. Oh right. So ho- probably about one thirty-two. Okay. About one thirty-two. Right. We'll be we'll be having. Our so you lunch. won't want to eat much the night before then, because otherwise you're. That's hungry right. Enough. You want you've got to be hungry for the so a bit of for the day of even. eating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, let's talk about things which are slightly less festive um, mm. and uh, what is going on because. Obviously, you and I have been at this for quite a long time now, and I want to thank you for everything you've done um, for you. us this year and for people listening um, and for, for the, the populace of this country who have been battered and bruised. I mean, we've talked about it before, coerced, you know, uh, threatened, made to feel as though they were somehow doing something wrong. The latest from this bozo Archbishop of Canterbury that, you know, you're somehow immoral if Shame you don't get a vaccination. What the hell does he think he's talking about? You know, one of the things, the most disappointing things for me was the way the church behaved during all of this. Mm. They shut their doors. And I, and I, and I mean, I don't actually have religion, but I was, I was brought up Christian. Yeah. I was Greek Orthodox Christian. And the, the Jesus and the God that I had learned about would never have done that. Mm. So I think they are immoral. They're yeah. the immoral ones for ever shutting the doors in people in their time of need. Yeah. You know, those doors should have stayed open all the time. Mm. And to call people immoral for not getting a, a vaccine or a medical thing into their body is, is mind-blowing especially as we do know that this doesn't stop you from catching no. or giving it to anybody. No. So why why, why are you pushing something that's not going to make any difference at all? Yeah. And let's not forget that the average age of death is 83 now. Well, it was still, 82 and now it's 83. The, the two major um, factors in the death of anyone with, with COVID or from COVID is age and weight. Yeah. Those are the same two things. They've always been the case. Everything else is less important. And we now have a situation where, and I'm glad to hear that lots of parts of the country are not like London, because London is full of what I regard as the kind of the, you know, the middle class laptop brigade who love a staying at home excuse, let's not go anywhere. But they all want to go out to parties and they all want to get drunk and they all want to hang out with each other when they feel like it. They just don't want to go to work. But, you know, we're now being told, well, never mind if you've had three vaccinations, never mind if you've had the booster, you still have to stay home. Well, really? It's so ridiculous. Which is it? It's so ridiculous. And in this fear, what's happened with, especially with the hospitality industry, I mean, I ended up going out for dinner last Saturday night. I didn't want to go out for dinner last Saturday, uh. but I spoke to a friend of mine who's, who's got a pub and he's he just said to me, everyone's cancelled. Yeah. All the Christmas parties had cancelled. Yeah. So they're big Christmas parties. They're big drinkers, big eaters. It's the one time that they get to get some money in mm. to, to help cope with January and February. And they've needed to get money in to help cope for the whole of the year. Yeah. And these mixed messages that they're getting, okay, so the government have now said they're going to give a billion. A billion works out to be about six grand per six pub grand or something. Per, per establishment. Nothing. If they really wanted to help, they'd stop giving these mixed messages. And let's be honest, all the info that's coming now about Omicron is that it is a cold. Yeah. It's a cold. So why have you done this? Why yeah. have you done this to people? It's like Christmas has come and they are the Scrooge, the Scrooge that never learns. Yeah. And they just want to kind of keep the gloom going. And people need joy you know this is a terrible time of year when it comes to suicides we've had a long period now where that suicides are up and and i don't care what nadine doris says there is a delay in the coroner giving Mm. this information because 
I know people who have committed suicide yeah. and more people than, than ever, actually, right. or are suffering throughout this time. So I, I'm very concerned about the lack of data coming through because it's, it's not yeah. clear and it's not right. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it, that the data that they say they don't have about Omicron, right? They've got it when they want it, yeah. but they don't like the data. That's yeah. why they say they don't have the data because they don't want to give you the data they don't want to give you. And all the modelling. I mean, Neil Ferguson it has still got a job. In any other world, in well, any other job. Well, thank God for Fraser job. Nelson at the weekend. Yes. Getting from um, the modellers of SAGE, which I've been saying, and probably you have as well, for the best part of the last two years, that of course they're modelling for the worst case scenario. I mean, you'd have to be an idiot not to believe that. With no sense of what that's going to do, what what the effects are, what's mm. the collateral damage of that. And you know how I feel about what's been going on. Yeah. So many more people, young people, people who shouldn't have died, are going to die and have died mm. because of lockdown. It is a time to say enough is enough. We've had enough. And I'm really, I'm feeling the tide is mm. turning. I think people I are kind of switching on thinking, hang on a minute. I don't care that Boris had a party. I don't. Because what it proves to me is that they're not scared. Right. So if they were really worried about their health, mm. they wouldn't be mixing and having parties. Yeah. So they know it's nothing. It's about controlling us. And it's time that we stood up and said, we're not going to be controlled mm. anymore. You work for us. We are going to live our yeah, lives. Definitely. I'm so glad you've been listening to what I've been saying. I have always. So has everybody else. And that's what <laughs> we do here at Talk Radio. We are the voice of common sense because it is common sense. It's not, it doesn't make any sense not to listen to what we say and to understand it and to believe it. We've got lots more to do. Tonya's here. Uh, we've got a little clip. I think we might be able to play you. A little Christmas special that she's done. Talk Radio. A figgy pudding of common sense. Listen online. Watch it live on your smart TV. The nation's favourite Christmas common sense station. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Tony Buxton is here. It is Christmas. Well, it's practically Christmas. I want you all to think about Christmas. I want you to think about what it means. I don't want you to think about what Archbishop Welby thinks it means. He thinks it means that if you don't get vaccinated, you go to hell. You might as well have said that. Great. Marvellous, isn't it? Thanks very much indeed. So much for Christian uh, values. So much for pouring oil on troubled waters. So much for offering up yourself. Uh, as the most selfless man uh, in the world because you're here to help people. Well, he's not. Well, I'll tell you who else uh, is in the same camp uh, as Archbishop Welby, and it will not be surprising for you to hear the name Tony Blair. He's also been talking about what should happen to people who refuse the COVID jab. Frankly, if, if, if you're not vaccinated at the moment and you're, you're eligible and you've got no health reason for not being vaccinated, you're not just irresponsible. I mean, you're an idiot. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, that is... Truthfully, you are. I mean, because this Omicron variant is so contagious. You know, if you're unvaccinated and you're in circulation, you're going to get it. And and that's what's going to put, you know, that is going to put a lot of strain on the, on, on the health service. I mean, almost half the people in the ICU are unvaccinated. And then it's really important. We, we, now, we shouldn't target these people who are unvaccinated in a heavy-handed way, but we should be trying to go after them and persuade them. You know, maybe all sorts of reasons, but honestly, it is in their own interest, never mind the public interest, for them to get vaccinated. And then yeah. finally, we've got, to, we've got to redouble the efforts to get vaccination out into the third world. So Tony Blair, former prime minister of this country, uh, multi-billionaire, um, bozo, cheat, liar, thinks that if you don't have a vaccination, you're an idiot. 
Why is that, do you What's think? What's that got to do with him? It's got nothing to do with him and how dare he say that and how dare he come out with these things. And let's get the facts straight. Right. We've had doctors from South Africa telling us that the Omicron is a very light variant. Mm-hmm. It's what all right. viruses do. Also, it's contagious, his, his, but it's his, not killing. So his great warning is that if you don't get vaccinated, you'll get it. You, right. And? And? And then what? What, what you mean? You'll get you'll get COVID and therefore you'll have antibodies, so you, you can then fight the next uh, wave. And we know that this this variant uh, you'll give you the sniffles. Yeah. It will I've give got you the some sniffles. news for you, Tone. If you get the vaccination, you'll get it too. The point. Everybody's going to get it. Everyone's getting. The point is, is why is this man given airtime? Why have we I given know. him airtime? He is a liar. He has been proved to be a liar. Yeah. He How about the a... weapons of mass destruction? Thank you. And he, eh? so he, he is a bad man. So why would we listen to this bad man? How about the sexed up dossier, Tone? Yeah. How about David Kelly? All of that. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Thanks and for ruining Britain by introducing us to a new form of legal uh, practice, including the setting up of the Supreme Court, which we didn't ask him to do. Yeah. But- and the and the chock full uh, nature of the civil service run by Marxists, as Peter Hitchens has told us many times. It all it's all down to Blair. I know. You he know, is, he used to talk blame about immoral things. Talk about immoral. Let's talk about moral, shall we? And also one of the things he did is he tr- tried to get everybody into universities for, yeah. for useless degrees and now they've got no jobs. And Whereas- now all that's happened is there are loads of people at the top of academia have made a load of money. Yeah. And so has he. Oh, gosh. He Middle East Peace Envoy. Tons hey? of money. How about the Tony Blair Foundation? Yeah. Yeah. Get lost, Tony. Go and join Archbishop Welby and take <laughs> a slow boat to China. <laughs> Where, where it came from in the first place. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, that's right? perfect. How about that? That's perfectly Merry put. Christmas, Tone. <laughs> How's Cheryl doing? Oh, sorry, Cherie. I mean, what? Who do these people think they are? <laughs> I've no idea. I wish they'd you know, like, stop Here speaking. I am. I've been appointed the world's spokesman on COVID. And if you don't listen to me, you're an idiot because I know everything. Uh, yeah. That'll be 150 million. Yeah, exactly. Right? I would rather listen to Sunitra Gupta. I'd rather listen to Straight Talk's Christmas special. Oh, would you? I think I would. <laughs> I think we should. How about this? For me, lockdown has killed. It's, it's, it's killed and it's killing people that I know. And yeah. so I cannot abide by it. Morally, I cannot abide by it. I, mm-hmm. I see the damage it's done. I've spoken to mothers who's lost their children over lockdowns. I've, I've lost my mother-in-law because she didn't get diagnosed in time. And I've just spoken to another friend of mine whose daughter now has a brain tumour, which, again, did not get diagnosed in time. She's 30 years old. Wow. And lockdowns did that. I, as I've said it before, I am prepared to go to prison. I've told my family I'm prepared to go to prison because I will do everything I can to prevent lockdown and to go against it because I think we all have to make a stand now. Mm. I think, you know, you have to ask people how far are you are you willing to go? How many lockdowns are you prepared to have? Because people forget last Christmas it was actually Delta. This Christmas it's Omicron. There will probably be a new variant next Christmas because, you know, it's winter. People get it's sick. Cold. It's the gift that keeps on giving, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's for Christmas. But are we prepared to lock down again? I no, mean, how many times I... are we going to do this? And I think I have faith in, in the British public. So yes, we've, you know, we've gone through such a hard time. But I think by next Christmas, hopefully, people will be saying we're not doing this again. Well, I'm hoping <laughs> they're going to do it this Christmas. And if, if, they, if they don't open schools after January, I think that we're all going to really have to that take to the, the streets. Because that will be the last straw. There's, there's two sides to what's going on in people's attitudes. I mean, first of all, people have basically locked themselves down. Oh yeah, because, yeah. Um, we, we didn't. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't need an, a law. We didn't need a statutory instrument. We didn't even need a prime ministerial request. People just cancelled nativity plays, office Christmas parties, pub bookings. They were queuing for eight hours around the corner for their boosters. People did it themselves. Mm. But. 
but the research, and I don't mean the um, the YouGov polls, which are more like plot spoilers for policies. <laughs> I mean proper research has um, shown that the tipping points kind of come with support for lockdowns. And yes, people have changed their behaviour, but they haven't done it because they're frightened of Omicron. They've done it because they don't want Christmas to be cancelled. They don't yeah. want it ruined. And, and <laughs> being in the hospitality industry, it's, it's killed us. What a great-looking show that is. Thank you. No, that'll be something for your Christmas weekend special because <laughs> you're not going to be watching Call the Bleeding Midwife for the millionth time because, you know, it always ends the same way. It does. You um, always end in tears. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, your, it's your tax dollars at work. Instead, why don't you watch Talk Radio TV where you've got that great special, Straight Talk Christmas, right, with Tonya Buxton, Laura Dodsworth, Dominique Samuels. And Zoe Clues. And Zoe Clues as well. And, of course, um, we've got Plank of the Year. We've also got... Uh, quiz of the year, which is quite enjoyable as well. There's lots of other stuff going on. So so spend the weekend with us at Talk Radio. Um, you will have a wonderful Christmas, I'm sure, Tonya. I'm going to make um, sure it's full of joy. That's the point. We yeah. have to strive now. That's the big thing is don't let them get us down. No. Don't let them be dementors of our hope. No. So let's make sure that you smile, you laugh, you hug people, you eat, you drink. Bring the joy back. We're going bring to bring back. the joy back. Yeah. Because it's what we own. It's what we need. It's what we need. It's what we deserve. And by the way, a uh, quick recommendation for old Welby. Uh, there's a picture of Jesus Christ that somebody's just posted talking to a leper. Just a thought. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, listen, I have a, got a great deal of respect for uh, the American Republic, OK? I spent a great deal of time there. My first child was born there. I think the United States of America is a magnificent country, as, I, as indeed is the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. However, the people currently running it wouldn't know how to run a bath. And let me just play you this by Dr. Sebastian Gorka. No crime is mentioned. What am I accused of doing? Because I was meant to be speaking on the same day at the Supreme Court, but didn't because the president's speech went too long. That's my crime in America, speaking? There is no crime. And I'm going to tell you something, Adam Schiff. I'm going to tell you, Nancy. You chose the wrong enemy. Now, come on. If that does not rouse you from whatever torpor you found yourself in this morning, uh, I don't know what will. Let us say a very, very good uh, morning and a happy Christmas to Mr. Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Sebastian. Greetings, my friend. <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas. <laughs> now, listen, uh, I had no idea this was going to happen. I thought to myself this week, I said, Look, we must talk to Sebastian before the end of the year, catch up with what's going on in the world's worst uh, government and find out precisely <laughs> what's coming up for the new year for those poor American citizens who have been you know, put under the, the jackboot of uh, democratic politics. It then turns out, as a surprise, uh, they're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got an early Christmas present a Saturday afternoon. I came home and on my doorstep there was a FedEx envelope from uh, Verizon, the phone company's subpoena compliance security division. And I thought, ah, I think I know what this is. And I opened it and it was a one page letter from Verizon uh. stapled to seven pages of a congressional subpoena that they had received saying, uh, you know, that thing, privacy, phone calls, 
you know, forget about the, the it. Constitution. Yeah, the Constitution, the the Fourth <laughs> Amendment, no undue seizure and searches. Uh. Uh, we're just ignoring that. We're going to give your phone records to Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, uh, because you committed no crime and the Constitution doesn't exist anymore. And by the way, you've got uh, 14 days to get a court injunction over the Christmas break if you want to stop us. Oh, really? So they're not oh, yeah. telling you. So they're not telling you that they've received um, a subpoena. And what would you like to do about it? They're basically saying. <laughs> Uh, we've already folded uh, to this nonsense and you'll it'll be in your uh, gift as to whether or not you choose to stop it. Yeah, I've got 14 days over the Christmas break to get a judge to give me a, a court order to stop Congress. Uh, look, why is this happening on January 6th, the uh. ominous day? Uh, I was meant to give a speech on the steps of the Supreme Court, which never happened mm. because President Trump gave his speech late and went on. So it ran over. So the whole agenda yeah. uh, was flipped. And, and because of that, my records are no longer private. This, this has nothing to do with me. I'm just a proxy for President Trump. This is meant to be an intimidation mm. of the 74 million Americans who voted for him. And I, 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 you know, at that speech I gave the, you know, the day after, and, uh, uh, I spoke in front of 10,000 people at America Fest in, in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm. And I, I said to Nancy, I looked into the camera, uh, you know, Adam Schiff, that liar who tried to impeach President Trump, my parents survived Nazi occupation. My parents survived the communist dictatorship. My father was liberated from a communist prison cell. So bring it, Nancy. You, you chose the wrong gawker. So what I'm saying is, Mike, if you're a wise man come the new year, you should buy shares in popcorn. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Because, I mean, what exactly is it that they're looking for here? Do they think that you may have made a telephone call to somebody urging them to sort of take up arms against the nation or something? No, they're, they're looking. They're looking for that 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 smoking gun of Gorka ordered an insurrection. He's the one who planned it. He he and Steve Bannon and President Trump were texting. Guys, let's do this now. Let's burn down the Constitution. Yeah. it's it's fantasy land. It's sheer utter. Mm. Look, but when when you've got nothing else, when you've got two million illegals crossing the border because yeah. you've opened the border, when you've got the highest inflation since 1991, when you've got this, this is a shocker. The recent poll. More than 70 percent of Democrats, Mike, yeah. don't want Biden to run again. And he hasn't even finished his first year in office. They are desperate. And all they have is this bully boy tactics. Yes. I mean, it's a bit similar to the government here who can't be sure whether they had a party or not. Uh, so they decided to have an investigation into whether they had a party, uh, nominating the person to do the investigation as having been uh, clean in order to do it, only to remember for him to remember that actually he had a party of his own. Uh, so probably not the best person to interview other people about having parties. It's like, you know, they're staring at the hand in front of their face and going, what is that? What is that? Yeah, may, 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 maybe, you know, uh, maybe Neil Ferguson should be the guy investigating parties. Yeah, right? uh, I think so. Yeah. Um, Maybe I mean what what's what's going to be the um, the dreaded sort of um, punishment meted out to you, Sebastian? If it turns out that all you did was order a couple of pepperoni pizzas uh, on the day in question, uh, look, I, I have no idea. I mean, look, they look they tried to do this already with Jim Jordan, one of the bravest congressmen and the former chief of staff for President Trump. They took their text messages and they actually doctored them. They topped and tailed them. They took them out of context. And Adam Schiff said, oh, look, what is this conservative saying? What is this member of Congress saying? So already, it, it doesn't matter what I said or didn't say. 
they'll just make it up, but good, because then everybody will see these people for who they are. It's it's finally time for everybody to wake up. It's not a political thing. I said on that, that, that speech I gave, it's not about being a Democrat. It's not about being Republican. It's about the U.S. Constitution. As you, do, as you said it right in your introduction, it's about whether or not we still have a U.S. Constitution. And enshrined in it, in addition to the First Amendment, mm. is the fourth, which says explicitly, you've got to have a reason for searching for warrants. No crime was even mentioned in a seven-page subpoena to Verizon that said you've got to hand over not just his phone details, all the phone details of everybody on my account. Mm. That's my wife, Mike. Those are my kids. Yeah. Nothing, no, no crime was mentioned. It's an absolute outrage. Mm. But it's good because people are waking up and they're saying, oh, look, the emperor is naked. He doesn't have any clothes on. Right. I mean, if you ask Joe Biden what were the last five phone calls he made, I guarantee you he couldn't <laughs> tell you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Did you well, see the one speech was probably to the speaking clock. <laughs> Did you see the speech he gave yesterday? No, I missed this that. Is, this is a guy who, the day before he gave this grim speech, you, it is patriotic, you must get a booster, you must get vaccinated, oh, yeah. you must work. Patriotic to get a booster. He sent out a two-paragraph Christmas message under the, the White House letterhead saying, for those who are not vaccinated, it's going to be a winter of death. It's like, nice. I mean, it's so cheerful. I mean, yeah, great. Isn't it fun? Thanks. Yeah, what about Tony Blair? The war criminals come <laughs> out on. now and said, you know, if you don't take the vaccine, you're an idiot, according to Tony Blair. How, how, I heard that on the news. How does Tony Blair have the stones to open his gob ever after the Gulf War? I mean, so after, I mean really? after what? Yeah. After the dodgy dossier? Yeah. What, how does he have the gall? He's, he's got more front, as they say, than. Um, uh, the, uh, the the stone in the front beach of, the, of Brighton, the beach at Brighton, yeah, uh, or even the stone in front of Lazarus's tomb. Considering that we're now talking about Christmas, but you know the thing that I find extraordinary as well, though, uh, Sebastian, what the hell are they still investigating this January the sixth story for anyway? So the, if if you lived here, so I, I can't do it. I just can't stand it. But my producer gets paid the big bucks to do this in preparing for my daily radio show. Yeah. He watches all the mainstream cable news channels in the morning. No. Mike, this is, this is not a joke. We are almost a year later, but if you switch on the TV in the morning, all you will see on CNN, on MSNBC for hours is January 6th, the insurrection, <laughs> the coup. I mean, this is, from, this is from companies where in just the last week they found two pedophiles. CNN is now a pedo hub, and all they can do is talk about these so-called insurrection. Yeah. Uh, this is why things like talk radio are exploding, why, you know, my show on Newsmax are exploding. I love the photograph that you had, what was it, yesterday, of the first day in the studio when you were broadcasting. Yes, wasn't that amazing? How far you've come, yeah. that was fabulous. So look, th th these guys are desperate. And, you know, the real reason for all of this, the subpoena for my phone records, the assaults on, uh, on the chief of staff of the president and Steve Bannon, is they know they are going to get utterly trounced next year in yeah. the midterms and they're desperate and this is all they've got this is the ad hominem attack this is the politics of personal destruction and it's a great sign in fact of their weakness yes. but the key thing now and that's why i gave that you know, barnstormer i did is everybody has to stand up you can't fold this is the moment where you stand up yeah. to these bullies and you say this stops here yeah
And also, by the way, what a waste of public resources, public money, public time. I mean, you wouldn't think that the American economy uh, was absolutely flying. You know, you would think right. that, you know, the business of, uh, of running the country was going terribly well. Well, I've got some news for Mr. Biden uh, and his cohorts in the White House. It's not going very well at all. In fact, half the White House isn't talking to the other half. Kamala Harris seems to have disappeared from view altogether, which is no bad thing. Biden has no clue what's going on in the world. He doesn't have a, a scooby about what he's going to do next year. Uh, meanwhile, he's telling everybody that it's their patriotic duty. While they're, pe I mean, I was saying this to somebody the other day. If I'd taken my children to New York City this weekend, where my daughter was able to have lunch with my mother, my children, right, would have been banned from Cipriani's restaurant inside of Grand Central Station because they're not vaccinated. What sort of a country wow. is that? Wow. So think of this. Think of this as, as they're sending subpoenas for people's private information. They haven't yet in the last 11 months of the Biden administration, not one committee has been brought to bear on the China virus. You'd think that maybe my text messages could take a second priority <laughs> to the thing that has caused eight 100,000 deaths in yeah. the U.S. alone. More deaths, by, by the way, this is interesting, because nobody's going to tell you this on, on the mainstream media. More people have died from COVID under Joe Biden than did under yeah. President Trump. And he campaigned on, uh, don't worry, guys, uh, I've been in politics for 47 years. I'm going to fix this one. Yeah. You're not fixing it too well. And by the way, the vaccine that he keeps touting he doesn't mention where it came from. He doesn't talk about Operation Warp Speed, the fact that we have three vaccines, not one, three, because a former businessman got Pfizer, got the actual companies to do that vaccine mm. at record speed. It takes between two and five years for a vaccine. Mm. President Trump got three in less than a year. But uh, the fact that he's touting them, he, maybe he should remind America where those vaccines yes, came from. Exactly right. And I was looking back, um, as you do at the end of the year, for sort of, you know, points of interest that may have happened over time. And on uh, Inauguration Day for Joe Biden, you know, the three things he did, uh, which were apparently hailed as great things by his supporters. One, rejoining the World Health Organization. Great job. <laughs> right. Two, rejoining the Paris Climate Change Agreement. Tremendous effort. And number three, uh, introducing a mask mandate in federal buildings. <laughs> so this is so, called being leader of the free world. It, yeah, no, it's called Monty Python at its yeah. peak. There, there was a, a clip I'm going to send you last uh, week, I think it was Friday, where Jen Psaki, the propagandist-in-chief, the White House spokesperson, was given a friendly softball in the White House press room uh. where somebody said, oh, could you tell us, um, since we're almost at the end of the year, what is the uh, policy achievement that the, the president is most proud of? Oh, yeah. What did she do? She got her mask started to put it on and say, um, let me get back to you. When, when the propagandist <laughs> in chief doesn't know what, one, just one, just one in 11 months, uh, they've got a problem. But yes. it's gorgeous to watch. You know, while, while the economy's tanking, while there are illegals everywhere, while yeah. inflation is skyrocketing, the price of petrol is, is you know, we haven't seen in, in, in years. It's rather amusing to see this Titanic start to sing. Yeah. Also, I'm starting to get uh, some enthusiasm for this phone um, uh, records business. Why? Uh, when are we when are we going to see Hunter Biden's uh, phone <laughs> records from uh, Verizon? Are they going to be subpoenaing those anytime soon? Um, they probably are rated. <laughs> They'd be triple X rated if they were, unlike mine. How about these? On a, a lot of those look. numbers that, you know, you have to pay per <laughs> minute or something on, right? Those very expensive, very expensive <laughs> numbers. 
Uh, how about this? How about a serious thing? Uh, everybody talks about the president's culpability for what happened. Um, president Trump, because he thought something might happen, and just in case, and she's such a nervous Nelly, he actually said to Nancy weeks before the January 6th speech, um, would you like, because you had such a penchant for it earlier, would you like to have the National Guard come and secure the Capitol, just some extra support for the police? This is on the record, Mike. Nancy Pelosi refused. Now, why would she do that? Mm. Why would she indeed? I mean, that was a question a lot of us were asking on the day of the inauguration, uh, never mind January the 6th. Why were there so many people from the National Guard there protecting the world's most popular president of all time? It was it was so tragic for me as yeah. an immigrant to this country to see that for months and months and months, we literally, we had a Berlin Wall, we had an iron curtain mm. through the heart of the capital, the, the nation that is supposed to be the greatest, the freest yeah. in the world. We had thousands, at the peak, we had 10,000 National Guards with their Humvees, with razor wire atop a fence yeah. that was, you know, six miles long around Congress. It's called the People's House, Nancy. Mm. It's not called your fiefdom, but this is, this is the level, the depravity to which they have sunken but you know roll as i say roll on 2022 the midterms and roll on 2024 because i guarantee it especially if we win the senate in the house which means they can't impeach him my old boss donald trump is got not only going to run mike he's going to stroll back yeah. into the white house and you know what i for one uh, would be in great support of that because you know we had the whole you know take back control uh, conversation about Brexit and Brexit got done. Boris Johnson did a great job. We're, we're having a bit of a problem with it at the moment. Uh, we're going to try and straighten him out over the course of uh, of New Year. I've been telling people to take him basically somewhere for re-education. Uh, you know, <laughs> put him in a dark room, start telling him what conservative politics is all about and start again and bring back control to the people of this country. But you guys in America need to take back America from these people who, in my view, are ruining it for everyone. Let me tell you, it, it is exciting. I'm a resident of the Commonwealth of Virginia. I thought I thought we would lose the recent gubernatorial election because one of the yep. sleaziest, scummiest Democrats, former Clinton bagman mm -hmm. Terry McAuliffe, was running. So I thought, nah, it's not going to happen. And, and out of nowhere, a person who's never been a politician before, just like Donald Trump, a former businessman, defeats this, this icon of the leftist radicals. Mm -hmm. And why? Because in the last three weeks, he saw these parents stand up at the school board meetings and say, no, you're not masking my kid. No, you're not teaching these racist theories like critical race theory to my six-year-old. And he said, I'm going to ban this insanity. This is Marxism. He realized this is a culture war we're in for the, for the heart of the nation. And he won. So, you know, we are going to take back America, but it's going to be one school district, yeah. one local mayoral race at a time, because that's how you win. The left learned this a long time ago. They, they had this phrase. Do you remember in the 60s, all politics is local? Well, we ignored them and they actually did it. And now it's our turn, Mike. Yeah. And I wish you all the best and I'm sure you'll win uh, because it's the common sense way of living. It's the only way. Right. Um, Sebastian, have a wonderful Christmas. Uh, I'm sorry I'm not going to see Christmas. you over there on that side, but hopefully I'll see you on this side, maybe in the new year. Um, have a wonderful new year as well. Uh, and if you are in America listening to this right now, um, have a wonderful, wonderful holiday period uh, and do your very best to make sure uh, that Joe Biden doesn't ruin everything for everybody. Because that's what he's going to do if you're not careful. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham.
on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.